I'm Audra. And I'm Sadie. And we are former English Lit majors and sisters who miss reading and discussing literature with fellow Lit nerds. And we created this podcast to discuss literature fueled by libations. So pick your poison and join us each week to discuss all the queries and views unearthed in great books. And support your local bookstore. Welcome, everybody, to Lit and Libations. Hi, Sadie. Hi, Audra. How are you this morning? We're actually recording in the morning this time, which is weird for us. It's very weird for us, but I'm glad it's happening because otherwise, so last night we were supposed to record and then poor Brian uh, hurt himself, had to be taken to the emergency room. Um, He's fine, but I'm just really glad that I took the whole day off of work so that we could still get our our episode out on time. Um, Yeah, this, this worked out well. Yeah, it's kind of nice, though. I don't know. It feels it feels good to, like, do something fun in the morning besides work. <laughs> this is nice. Yeah, that's true. I I'm, I think I'm going to go on a hike after this. Oh, that's great. Where are you going to go? Um, I've just been going up uh, Mueller Park Canyon here in Bountiful because it's just right up the road from us, really. And I really like it. It's so pretty. Oh, that sounds really great. I need to do that more because um, there's supposed to be really good hiking here. There's, like, a state forest in Pittsfield. Um but I always, I don't know. I just know too much that I'm always scared I'm just going to come across a dead body. Oh, yeah. But then maybe it's good because then that will, while it, while it will be traumatizing, it will, you know, it, those, that needs to be discovered. <laughs> and so that there can be resolution. So <laughs> you you would be, it would be, end up being a, a good thing in the end. Well, Maybe well, you could look at it that way. You know what? I I just need to remember that my chances of finding a dead body is very low. Yeah, they're pretty, because pretty low. they're yeah. usually not on the trail. And I'm not leaving the trail yeah. because we've talked about yeah. the tick situation out the here. The ticks. I'm yeah, staying uh-huh. on that trail. Um, yeah. So I think that decreases my chances quite a bit. So I'll be okay. I just need to do it. I just need to go. It, the thing is, is, like, I just don't – I have a hard time doing things like that, like, by myself. Like, I always want to do it with somebody else. And um, Yeah. But Brian I usually doesn't do want to go. Yeah. I've really liked doing it the last couple of times I've done it. And I, like, listen to – I'm listening to a, an audio book, uh, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Have you oh, heard of that book? Oh, I've heard all about that book. I have yet to read it. Um but um, well, to be honest with you, it didn't really grab me as something I wanted to like, I look, would like look at it a couple times in the bookstore yeah. and have it and then be like, no, I, I'm not really that interested. And then I was like, well, let me put it on audio because it, and it's definitely an easy one to listen to. Oh, if that makes good. sense. Like, yeah, it does not require, I mean, it's, it's been entertaining so far. It's like, I'm, it's a good book. It's a good story, but it doesn't require a lot of thought yeah so it's nice to listen to while i'm hiking and the the narrators are good like they're doing a a good job with it yeah so i recommend the audiobook uh the seven husbands of evelyn hugo by taylor jenkins reed um i recommend it i'm also reading right now this book that i had thought about doing for like the podcast yeah um but i'm glad we did it because we've kind of already done stuff in this vein but it's called booth and it's by Karen Joy Fowler, and it's about John Wilkes Booth's family. Oh, wow. Um, you know, because they were all, like, his father was an actor. They were all kind of involved in some ways, except for the sister. It's it's pretty good. 
Like, I'm glad I didn't pick it for the pod, but yeah. um, it's it's definitely a good, I want to keep reading it, can't put it down kind of book. So I recommend Booth by uh, Karen Joy Fowler. So it's, I'm I'm enjoying that one. Um, I also recently read a book that I had thought about choosing for the pod, and I'm really glad we didn't. <laughs> um, Love that. No, it was a it was a really great book. It's just a very it? um, it's not a book for everybody. It's My Dark Vanessa by Kate Elizabeth Russell. And oh, I heard about that one. Oh, that's right. You brought you brought that up as one to look yeah. at. Yeah, um, I definitely think it's sh- it's a must read if and only if. Um, a very dark story about grooming and a teacher assaulting a student repeatedly uh, does not like spiral you into a really dark place. Um, that's all I'll say. Like it's it's really it's really good. It is really good, and I think that there is, it's a great story about um how like this character comes to accept and realize that this relationship that she had with her teacher um, was an abusive one because as an adult woman like she still has not accepted that it was abusive you know she's convinced herself that she was like special or that she was adult enough to make those decisions and stuff and um so it, it kind of goes it goes it's a book that goes back and forth between when she's a teenager um going through this and then as an adult um kind of remembering back and grappling with it after he's been accused by a bunch of other students. And um it's I mean it is really good but it is very dark. And um I know like for some people who um are for good reason very sensitive to that stuff. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it to them because I like it goes really, really deep into like the abusive relationship in a way that I think is useful and like it's a good book, but it's really dark. So I'm kind of glad we didn't do it for the pod because I think that the the themes were almost like too dark to like really go in depth to talk about. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's like a, it's like um. It's a book that I am really glad that I read, but I don't think I'll ever read it again because, like, it's a good book, but it's hard to have pleasure from the book. Does that make sense? Yeah, I get it. Well, then I'm, I'm definitely glad we, you know, you didn't pick that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of, so I have selected our next book for that we will be discussing next. So we'll be doing Ancestor Trouble by Maud Newton for what, two? Are we going to do more? Probably, Probably just, two. just two. Probably just two. Two. The next two episodes. So we're doing parts one through five today. Mm-hmm. Um, and then how many more parts are? I finished it. There's, um, I mean, that's about halfway, a little over halfway through the book. Yeah. So. And then we'll have five through eight, our next yeah. episode. Um, so you have time to go get that finished. Uh, and then our next book is called Narcopolis. N-A-R-C-O-P-O-L-I-S by Jeet Thail. It was shortlisted for the Man Booker Prize. He is an Indian musician and poet, and this was his uh, debut novel. Uh, I don't really know how to tell you what it's about because I don't really quite know what it's about (laughs) either, other than it's, it's, it's been described as it's not the typical kind of 
Indian novel set in Bombay, um, but it does kind of discuss Bombay across three different dec- decades. Um, it, it, it's been described as it's closer to the works of like William S. Burroughs. Um, so I'm excited because one of my favorite authors, um, Salman Rushdie, is from India, and I love, I just love reading about books that are centered there. It's really uh, enticing to me. So I'm excited to like see what this is all about. So that will be our yeah. next book. So Narcopolis by Jeet Thail. So go ahead and pick up a copy from your local bookstore or bookshop.org um, and get going on that. So that'll be next. Um, I don't think there's anything else, is there? Oh, I'm sorry for the yawning. Oh, which I just need to drink more of my libation. <laughs> what, what are I'm I am drinking a caramel macchiato this morning. Nice, nice. <laughs> I just just caffeine, no liquor. I made myself um, yes, because again, it is early ish in the morning. It's not as early for me as it is for you. Uh, I know but... it's nine a.m. here. I've been up for a while, but yeah. Um, I just made myself like a homemade matcha latte. Um, my friend. Oh, love it! I love it. So. I, my friend Martin, I love matcha. Like he went home for Christmas or New Year's or something. Um, well, it's not really home. Where's home? He, it's not really home. He went to visit his stepmom in Taiwan, and oh, um, cool for the holidays. And so he, anyway, for Christmas he brought Brian and I back a bunch of stuff. And one of the things that he brought me back was some really, really good um, ceremony grade matcha. And it's just delicious. And so I and and a matcha set. He got me like a a matcha whisk. The whisk and everything. Yeah. 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 And so that's what I had today. I just made myself a little bit of uh, matcha latte, ice latte with like a little bit of maple syrup for a little sweetness. And it's delicious. Nice. Awesome. All right. Well, we can get started. So yeah. our book this this time uh, was a memoir uh, slash, I, I mean, it's billed as a memoir, but I think it was also, uh, I, don't, I don't know, kind it's, of a, it's a, memoir, a, a but discussion it's, of, it's kind of, I would say it's like a mixture of like personal essays with research essays like mixed intertwined so like there's a lot of research and discussion about like uh ancestry in general and like research and like the different tools that we have and the different kind of ideas around genetics and ancestry and then mixed in we get these um basically like stories that she tells um that's kind of related to some of these issues that she brings up in her research. And so I like it didn't read like a memoir to me, though. I don't know. If yeah. Like I, I thought it was just more of kind of this like this investigation into mm-hmm. history and science and spirituality and genealogy and told through. It was almost like she uh, used her research into her own family tree and her kind of wanting to discover who she was and kind of her reckoning with her family and her family relationships as a way to guide her investigation into yeah kind of you know genealogy and spirituality and and genetics and and so i i mean i 
This was an interesting one for me because I enjoyed it in that I thought it was interesting, but I almost like I either wanted more of her kind of family stories, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, she was very real about it. It wasn't totally easy to get a ton of details because of how records are kept or not kept and that idea of who's telling the family stories and having to be aware of who's telling them can influence what is told and how it's told and and the you know the truth of stories which is interesting too it's like what really happened versus what's told that's happened with her family and then I think she's very upfront about the kind of a complicated relationship she has with her family particularly her mom and her father yes um she's you know doesn't speak to her father anymore she's cut off Uh, contact with him and has kind of always had an estranged relationship, a difficult relationship and went through periods of time where she didn't talk to her mother either. And so I think also it it wasn't this necessarily cohesive family unit that started kind of her investigation. And I think that kind of comes through a little bit in the, I mean, it's it's hard because it was really interesting. I liked reading about all of that, but then I, I felt that there was some repetitiveness. I was gonna with say the same the research thing. I was gonna say the same thing. It it was almost it's almost like she she briefly mentions stories, like in earlier chapters, and then she goes into it in more detail. I would say like later on, but it's almost it's almost like some of the sentences actually feel like almost like copy and pasted like as if we had never been introduced to this story before I don't know it it almost felt like each chapter was written independently and like without the um the like idea of how it was going to end up being pieced together in the end does that make sense and I think that's yeah, why I get what you're some, saying. I think that's why some of the repetitiveness happens because like I don't I get the sense that it wasn't written in order, I guess. See, and I I also found it somewhat repetitive and, and I can see like what you're describing, like the disjointedness of it. Mm-hmm. I took it more of like she's I feel like this was kind of a project for her and based on what she said in the memoir as well as just my interpretation of it of like it's a reckoning right and a reconciliation that's part of the title of her really trying to figure out like who is she as it relates to who where where does she come from and dealing with you know particularly with her family the history of slavery of uh indigenous people being removed from their land that her family was a part of Mm -hmm. in in different degrees i mean they weren't like policy makers but they were just normal people that were happy to take land from people that were already living there and happy to own slaves. And I think that she was constantly trying to reconcile that, like that broader history, which I think we all are as white people or should be. So I think she was trying to reconcile that and then also trying to reconcile her relationship with her family. You know, she had a very, very difficult father, Yes. Um, very Im- emotionally abusive and uh, and seeing I think in trying to reconcile that she was constantly finding stories of those same kind of behaviors in both men and women in her family on both sides also because she had also issues with her mother. Her mother 
definitely, you know, had bouts of, I, I think she kind of describes it as like manic or bipolar. Yeah. And so I think in an effort to try and reconcile all these things, she just kept digging. You know what I mean? It's like you want to keep kind of want to keep investigating until you find the answer. And sometimes there's not this like clear cut. Oh, this is why you are the way you are. This is how your, ch-, you know, she talks about how she doesn't have, she chose not to have children. Mm-hmm. She has a stepdaughter, but she doesn't have her own biological children. And so I think she's just constantly looking for how did this happen? How can I prevent it? Both in a more insular family way and in a broader like humanity sense. And there, I I don't know if there is an answer to that. I don't think we do, you know, we don't know. And I think that was part of the research shows too, is like everything we think we know, we know to a point, but we're still learning more and more every day and we still don't really know. And so I think that that's kind of where some of the, the more I thought about it, the repetitiveness came because it was like just constantly going like reviewing research in different ways, if that makes sense. Like, right. okay, because it all just ties in so well, you know, the talk about genetics and ancestry and spirituality and how we venerate our ancestors or don't. And like, so it, it did come off as repetitive. And I think it was more of just like, I want to keep talking about this and researching this until I've got something that's resolved it for me. And then finally kind of almost starting back where she begins and not well, yeah, really seeing a resolution in that way. I think because like, these are very circular questions because like, yeah, there's no way to know. And also I think there's still always with genetics and ancestry, there's still like the idea of chance. So like, like she talks a lot about um, the good and bad that comes with being interested in ancestry and genealogy because there's a sense of like acceptance and just like honoring it and being like basically cool and upfront about your history and then there's also the people who like glorify their ancestors and they become obsessed with genealogy and genetics and mm-hmm. they go down the eugenics route you know and like right and and how bad that is and how that's led obviously to um some of the most devastating things that have happened um in modern history. And, um, and like, I think that I, the thing that is interesting is that there is no clear answer. Like, you know, her dad and her mom get married, um, because they believe that they will have smart offspring, you know, but like, and I, am not going to say that her and her sister like aren't smart, um, but they still never like measured up to their parents expect, like their, well, specifically the father's expectations. Yeah. Um, And I thought that was kind of interesting because it shows, you know, like that you can't like it's impossible really to um, plan stuff, stuff like that. Like you could have like two very smart people and your kid still might be like not the brightest like or maybe you have two very dumb parents and you are very bright. So it's. I just, like, think that with that, there's no answer. She'll never reach the answer. But she, I think she finds comfort in the patterns that she sees. And she seems to have um, – one, one of the interesting things that she talks about here um, is kind of, like, genetically passed down trauma um, and, like, attachment to um, – certain ancestors and like what happened to them so like one thing that she talked about was a study that showed um 
how like certain dates pop up a lot in families, like for no apparent rhyme or reason. Like maybe there's like a big car accident that happened on that date. And then like somehow things just keep happening on that date within the family. And um, yeah. and this idea that it's kind of like the subconscious, like genetic empathy or sympathy or connection to that that past situation. And this is something that mostly I've heard talked about um, in relationship to um, like historical trauma of black Americans and um, the trauma that their ancestors have gone through and that their parents have gone through and continue to go through and how that like impacts them to have um, I don't I don't know like maybe higher anxiety you know or like higher stress levels or like they have to worry about things that obviously like people who don't have that kind of history like have never had to worry about but I think that it's interesting because she kind of puts this in context of like she seems to say I think that this that same type of thing can happen within like any family and like the propensity um, for children to kind of repeat the same patterns as their ancestors, I think is interesting. But what's really interesting, one thing that I thought was interesting is that she's referring, like some of the examples that she gives is like how her grandmother had, um, had attempted suicide, like, few times yeah, quite, her, quite a few members of her family how like and, and her mother like jumped out a window like on third story floor um and then she was like and it was so weird because I didn't even know about that at the time but when I was in college I went through like a similar issue with a boyfriend and I jumped out a window like so it's it's interesting to see these parallels that she makes when at the time that it happened to her she wasn't aware that it had happened to somebody else in her family. And I think that's one of the, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's something where she's, like, trying to explain away her own sometimes devastating experiences or if she, like, is just trying to, like, find comfort in that. I think that it's a interesting idea. Yeah. I think a, a good example. Exactly. I like that idea of her finding comfort as being kind of a, a cornerstone to this memoir, because what one of the parts that really um, stood out to me was she had a great great grandfather, Charlie Bruce, and he she had heard stories that he had like killed a man with a hay hook, yeah, um, like one of those big hooks that grabs the twine on on hay bales, and in like a drunken kind of fight, and then lost his mind from dealing with that from the grief because like the guy was actually a friend of his. And then ended up dying in an asylum. Yeah. And she writes quite a bit about finding his his grave. And what she found out was the story was kind of partially true. The that her great grandfather, Charlie, had actually been acting in self-defense. He'd been standing up for a young girl who'd been victimized um, by her stepfather. There's so many characters in this. I know. Like so many people in this. I had to do like some notes. Um her stepfather had actually assaulted her and then intended to rape her. And Bruce testified against him. And Maud herself has dis discussed how she was sexually assaulted around the same age. I think it was like 12 or 13 by her stepfather. Mm -hmm. And her mother 
really did nothing about it. She told her mother about it. Her mother kind of was this, just remained silent about it. And in fact, discussed how, you know, it, it was the devil's fault that caused Maud's stepfather to do that. And it won't happen again. And that's part of why she didn't speak to her for a long time as even as an adult talking to her mom about that, not getting the empathy and the, you know, the response she should have gotten. And so they didn't speak for a long time. And, but so Maud ends up after she's kind of discovered all this research in this book, she like puts together a headstone for Charlie Bruce so that his grave marker is, is more commemorative of him. And I think it's just like kind of finding that comfort in this is someone who was in my family who defended someone who couldn't defend themselves from a heinous act. There wasn't anyone to do that for me. So I think Mm -hmm. that just as much as she, I I did like the juxtaposition of just as much as she found things that uh, horrified her or she couldn't reconcile or made her, I mean, even the fact that her name is actually Rebecca, not Maud, but she uses Maud as her like pen name and has for a long time in honor of like a great, great grandmother. But then discover, yeah, yeah. and maybe we're not here yet in the book, but whatever. She ended up discovering that Maud like actually wrote some pretty awful things in favor of like racist actions, and so even it's like just as much as you can find in your family history to be proud of or comfort yourself with or connect with Mm -hmm. in a way that helps solve traumas, it also opens up new ones. And I think that was a very, I mean, not kind of duh. Like, I think, you know that, but I think that it's, it it was said in a, in a very nice way and something to really think about of like, there's no, like even people who want to claim famous ancestry. And I love how she brings that up early on in the book about kind of our big, uh, revamping or, or no, that's not the right word. There really did become this kind of big push for ancestry 23 and me like all of that and huge resurgence of like interest in genealogy in general um and i you know i find it interesting how she credits a lot of that to the lds church and like how true the the church they are very i mean very in it well and it's i mean i do think it's cool like it's cool how many records have been preserved and document like by the church but their reasons for it aren't cool well, and it's also interesting. That I, I think it's the same thing. There's a lot of documentation and uh, research, and that's great. But then there's also a lot of things that uh, are purposely not revealed, even though they have that information. So it's like, hey, look into history, look into genealogy, look into the past. But let's not talk about certain parts of the past that oh, we well, don't want to no. talk about. No, but, uh, but which I is will which say, is true of everything, but I mean, every culture talking really talking about the LDS Church in the sense of how they talk about their own history is very different than I think how they look at genealogy. Like I think that's different because like the church, from from my perspective, from like a historical standpoint, they've done a lot of work to preserve historical documents, like like registries, and like just to, for people to track their own ancestors. That and I think it's very cool that that stuff has been digitized and that that stuff has been like invested in. That's like a way different conversation to me than how they talk about and teach their history because. They're not interested, I don't think, in teaching people about their genealogy. It's more about, like, obviously, I think the LDS Church's goal is to 
get as many names as possible so that they can baptize by proxy. But I think it's this double-sided coin, too, where it's like it is good that these documents are being preserved. So it's I think in the same way that like she can look at the same ancestor and find inspiration from them and also horror. I think that's how I feel about the genealogy projects that have done by the LDS church, because ultimately it is good that these things are digitally preserved and accessible for people. Um, It's good for historians, but it's not good why they're doing it. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I mean, I think it, I, I had a hard time connecting with this memoir because I personally don't have much of an interest in like genealogy or my answer. I mean, I do to a point, but, and I don't know, I feel almost awkward saying that, like it's like something to be judged, but like, I just have never really felt much of a connection with like a location that like I've grown up at, or, I mean, I've lived in, I grew up in Bountiful, but I don't really feel like a connection to this town. I don't really feel a connection to really any place that I've had family live in. Mm -hmm. And then I don't really have too much of an interest outside of a general, oh, okay, that's, that's an interesting story. Like when it comes to my genealogy, like I, anything past like my grandparents, Mm -hmm. I don't, I really couldn't tell you. And I've been told stories. I've seen pictures. Like I had, you know, members in my, my mom and my grandparents have all like done their own different. And my dad can tell you stories about great, great. But I just, I've heard it. It just isn't something that's really connected with me in a way that I've chosen to then like retain that information as a way to recall it. Like, I just don't, I don't think that's, I don't really connect with it. I well, I I, I, I I don't think it's weird in a bad way. I just I, sometimes I feel a little um, not in the general norm because I think I'm around a lot of people who are very interested in that and like can talk all about it. And, and I do really l- appreciate the idea of like ancestor veneration and kind of that uh, appreciation and respect for the idea of who and what came before. Yeah. But I I really have just never thought it was super important to me and to mm-hmm. to to my life. I think and I I can unpack where all that comes from, but it's mm-hmm. it's not for the pod, but it's like <laughs> a it's just a thing. I don't know. I think that that that's not anything you should feel like embarrassed or ashamed about because I think that I think that um I think Brian's the same way, you know, like, I mean, Mm. I think that, um, I think most of my friends actually would probably agree with you there. Um, the reason that, um, I feel like my interest in it is kind of twofold. I feel like I've been, because I was raised LDS, I was like, ancestry was basic was super important you know and it was for the wrong reasons I think but it was super important and the idea of like family super important and um I also was raised in a place where like there was a lot of very deeply rooted family history like my family had been there since like the mid 1800s and like had settled Mm -hmm. the area so there was like a connection to it in that way but yeah at the same time that connection um, 
to that the, that family and also uh, like that area is so deeply entwined with my family's relationship with the church that when I left the church, I feel like my relationship and my perception of genealogy and, the, and my ancestry changed. And I became far less interested in my genealogy up until, like, from the time that they'd been in the United States, basically. Like, I, because I knew why they were there. And I, like, my cultural tie at that point would have been to the church. And if anything, I feel like my, like, interest in ancestry has um, just kind of gone back even further. And I'm more interested in, like, what my family was doing before they ever came to the United States. I feel like that's kind of like where my interest is now. And part of it is because like of that feeling of no longer caring or wanting to be like super associated with the family history like directly behind me. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Like I am proud of like my history, my immediate family and like the people that I have known. But I'm less interested and in, I'm more interested in like some of like maybe the the cultural experiences and practices that was lost when they joined the church and came out here. I'm more interested in like where we came from behind that. So like it, it, one thing that I thought was interesting because it, you brought up like your connection to like the place that you live, you know, and how you don't mm-hmm. feel like this like huge emotional connection to Bountiful. Um, it made me, yeah. Or like any, anywhere anywhere. really. Like I've, I mean, but granted I haven't been everywhere. Uh, I have, I have felt when actually anytime I've been in Scotland, I feel something there, but like, I don't have some big like genealogy. I don't have some big tie to it that I'm aware of, but you know, she does bring up in this book too, kind of how so much started kind of in, you know, with like the Celtic tradition as far as white people mm-hmm. uh, and kind of coming back to that. So, I mean, I guess technically there is a tie there, but no, no, nothing that I really put a lot of credence into. But yeah, I don't really feel I've always been a little envious of like your family's ties to like a place, mm-hmm. like how you all feel when you're in Oakley, Utah, like you can tell you all have, there's something that like happens to you. You can just see it. And it's really like, it's, it's very, it, it seems very pleasant, you know? So I've always been somewhat envious of it, that you have such a deep rooted connection to a place, but not enough that I'm like searching for it either. Like maybe if I did more research, I would find that. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I guess I've I've always been curious, like, what it would feel like. I mean, I've been to Scotland, and I, I get what you feel about, like, feeling a special connection to that place. I don't know if mm-hmm. the connection that I feel is because of my genetics, like, and my ancestry there. Um, but I do wonder, like, okay, like, we know the specific regions that, like, our family is from, from Norway. Like, would I feel something yeah. when I go there? Would I feel yeah. like what would I feel? And so I, I'm definitely interested in like wanting to do that. And I know my mom is really interested in doing that, too. Like if she were to go abroad, she wants to go like where her family is from. 
But I think on the flip side, I think, like, there is such thing as, like, in the same way that in this book she talks about how, like, too much – when you assign too much value to your ancestry, like, that's also – bad and so sometimes I think about that with Oakley you know and like my my attachment to this place and how much of that Mm -hmm. is rooted in like nostalgia and what am I going to do when it inevitably changes and is maybe right unrecognizable you know from how I remember it like what is that gonna do like will I still feel that connection so I think that um yeah that's that's interesting if because that's one of the things that I, I don't know, danger is a little bit of a strong word, but I, I think that there's something to be cautious about almost when there's such an intense, not saying this about no. you yeah. or your family, but like, and I think she brings it up with kind of her father's like deep, you know, admiration for like family line and, and how white they are well, like basically and, and their history. Yeah, yeah. The purity. And so I think there's almost this caution to be had when you feel such a connection to a place. And then to the point where when it changes, you are like, don't see any positiveness in the changes. Cause there mm-hmm. is positive and negative to change and change is inevitable. Cha- it, it, it's one constant is that it's changing. And so I think that there is, there can become almost this, like, and I think that not all the times, but that a lot oftentimes leads to, you know, we're kind of our fear of people who don't look like us or changing in that way, like of wanting things to always be the way they were. I think nostalgia can easily morph into something a little more nefarious, sinister. Uh, yeah. 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 And I, so I think that there's always some caution to be had both in like location and history because then there's that too of like you know you have just like she kind of brings up with this great relative Maude you know she has this kind of distant admiration to the point where she changes her pen name Mm -hmm. or makes her pen name Maude and then when you learn something that's maybe not so appealing about that person or you learn something that's not it's like how do I reconcile that and if you can't reconcile that sometimes it can turn into a just not acknowledging it yeah. And in not acknowledging the truth is where we run into a lot of issues. I mean, that's kind of why we are where we are now is not actually stating what happened and not speaking the truth and pretending it didn't happen and not teaching it and not, you know, just whitewashing it. Pun, bad pun intended. Yeah. And so I think that there's really, truly this danger kind of always on the edge there of when you are so invested in the past but it's not in a genuine, honest way. It's more of about how some how it makes you feel. Yeah. You know, when your your investment is because you want to maintain those feelings or you want to find good feelings and find positive revelation. I mean, how many times does that happen? You start digging mm-hmm. into anything and you're going to find stuff that is not what you want to find. Right. For the most part. And so I think that the book, I think that I, I enjoyed that part of it, of kind of, I, you know, of the reckoning of it. I wish there would have been a little bit more of it, but I think it was hard because realistically, there's only so much information she could find out. Well, and you really could tell how much research went into how she did find what she found. Yeah. I think one thing too, that fits into like this, like over attachment sometimes to like this, these stories, 
you know, or these places where you don't actually know if they're true. Um, Like, it can be devastating when you find out that it's not true. Like, like I think, what you know, she talks about how everybody has um, some story of how they are related to Mary, Queen of Scots, you know? Like, or how everybody has um, some, like, feeling of being related to someone famous or, or and, like, they kind of uh-huh. build this, like, mythology, this mythos in their family around these, like, stories that they tell. Oh, my family definitely had that because my grandma was a steward um, and so she was like convinced that we were, she, she told me all the time growing up that like we were, we came from Mary Queen of Scots. Maybe we did, maybe we didn't, but like, um, it is like a story that's been told. But then I, you know, I was thinking, um, I was watching, I can't remember, this was like years ago, but I watched, um, an episode, it was, it was like a BuzzFeed video where they had a bunch of people do genetic tests to see like what if if their if their actual history kind of lined up with them and so many with what they thought anyway and so many of them were so disappointed you know like mm-hmm. that they they truly believed that they were like 25% native american or something and then they found out that they weren't you know or um there was one where this woman, she was East Asian, and she believed that she was, like, 100% Korean. And then she took the test, and she found out she was, like, 75% Japanese, you know? And she, like, was really disappointed because she was so invested, kind of, in, like, that history and that culture of being Korean And then also Mm -hmm. when sometimes you find these things out, there's a dark history that you have to reconcile with of like, okay, now she had she looked back at this and she was thinking about, you know, the troubling and like devastating history between Korea and Japan when they, you know, had invaded Korea and like all of the atrocities that kind of happened with that. And I she talks about that, too, with um, um. I can't remember who it was, but she was talking about somebody in this book who uh, found out that Thomas Jefferson was their, like, great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather or something. And, like, that idea of, like, reconciling, okay, like, this is obviously an example of, like, a rape, you know, of, like, this traumatic thing happened to my ancestor who was owned by this person who then raped her and... um dealing with that and like kind of accepting that as as much a part of your genetic history as anything else and sometimes these things are just yeah like really difficult to accept it made me think a lot about like the ethics kind of of having websites like ancestry dna mm-hmm. and 23andme and how it connects you to people in your life like there's so much benefit to it but it is also kind of scary because it it's like airing out all of everybody's dirty laundry. Yeah, I liked... So I had read about... I'm trying to find the name in the book. There's um, this woman who... She now has, like, a TV or something out where she doesn't have any, like, necessarily credentials, but she is really good at, like, kind of using these tools from, like, 23andMe and Ancestry.com to, like 
solve mysteries oh, yeah, and she she's actually been used crime. like the police have used her to yeah like serial killers and things like that and but it and so I've read about her before I read this really great article in the New Yorker about her and it kind of brings up a lot of the same things that Maude brings up in when she discusses it of just that like the ethicalness of like having this ability to then have DNA on hand and using that to like I don't know, solve crimes in that way. And just like mm-hmm. how it's helpful, but also it's not a science that we've mastered. I mean, oh, no. the, the, the answer, like all of the genealogical research is, is not mastered. This is not like, but we read it a lot as such. Like we take, Oh, this is exactly what my makeup is. But then if you go back and check it like two years from now, it will have changed because there'll be more data. And that's kind of the point maybe people don't always understand is it's based on what data is already available. And so I think I like how she brings up this. Okay, sorry, you're looking around. Is there like a fly in your mm, no, I think pod room? I think someone's on my roof. Why would somebody be on your roof? I don't know. I just like keep hearing this like banging like somebody is on my roof. Is it a large, a large bird? Maybe no. Could it, it be sounds a, could like, it be a squirrel? It sounds like footsteps. Like I'm talking like it's like banging. Do you need Do you need to go check on this? Um, I can keep talking. I'm just. We'll just tell Kendrick to cut this part. We're about 45 minutes in. I'm just gonna check to see if there's a truck outside. Because like Brian had said something about looking into a solar panel. Yeah, there are people on Oh, are there people doing solar panel things on your roof right now? He didn't tell you about it. I feel like that's poor. That's 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 poor taste. You need to let someone know if people are going to be up on their roof. Well, he seems confused. Like somebody shouldn't be here. But what's weird is that it's the solar company, but it's not the solar company that we had looked into. This is weird. Um, okay, we're just going to continue. The door's locked. They'll just measure some stuff. Are you there alone? Yes, Brian's at work. It's okay. We'll okay, just maybe he just didn't tell you. He said that's the truck, and I said yes, and there's definitely. Oh, so you texted him? Yeah, a man on our roof. Okay, but it sounds like Brian doesn't see the doesn't doesn't feel danger in this situation. Well, I. I asked him if he, so I heard like banging and I was like, are you home? He said, I guess they had to come and recheck something. Ha ha ha. Mm. It's not funny, Brian. I'm very freaked out. <laughs> okay. It's fine. We'll just have Kendrick cut this part out. Yeah. Let's clap again. So he kind of knows where it ends and then he'll be able to like reverse back. Okay. And it was about 45 minutes in you said. Yeah. Okay. All right. One, two, three. Okay. So had a little pause there uh, while we were <laughs> working through some sound issues. So sorry about that. Sadie was worried. Somebody, someone was on her roof still, doing solar panel things. And we sorry if you hear any banging, like there's someone stepping above the microphone. I can't, I can't hear it. Okay. I can't hear anything. Yeah. So I think we're good. Um, but I couldn't say so you're just like looking all around and I'm like, what are you looking at? <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I did well. So I guess like we started out kind of this 
discussion at the very beginning where we kind of were both maybe a little dissatisfied with what I saw as like a repetitiveness. But I do think while it wasn't, it wasn't quite what I wanted. I do think it, it, it worked well with this investigation. It really was kind of this circular investigation in, in trying to find answers. And I think that that was, it's a very realistic way of, of looking at how we do investigation into our, our past and our history, particularly when it comes to people. Um, because those flack, those, I mean, facts are facts, but they almost are fluid when it comes to your family, because a lot of it is just based off of what people say or what Mm -hmm. they experienced. And, and I think that she brings up some really good points about that. And, and I liked reading about her reflection on history with her own family, but then bringing up conversations she had with those other family members at a later point in time and just the different rememberings of it. And, and, you know, there's a big kind of almost hole that she discusses just briefly, but like her sister doesn't really factor into any of this. She hardly mentions her sister out of uh, respect. Her sister, she says a very private person doesn't want any of this about her really out there but so she doesn't really I think it would be it would have opened up a whole other kind of can of worms so to speak if she talked more about her sister because it's interesting to hear like a sibling's different reflection on events um but we don't get that because she is being respectful of her sister's wishes and is not really including her or even her name in this and so I think that it's interesting even in that there's still a hole that there could have been more information gleaned from, but that is not available. Right. Right. Well, and also like some of the stuff shouldn't be available. Like I was, it made me think about, um, like there's, I don't know. I keep going back and forth between like is airing out all the dirty laundry and like having stuff so readily available for the public, like good or bad. And like, what are the rights to privacy in some of these instances? And, um, Like, I think she has a right to tell her family's history. I like that she's respectful to her sister. But it kind of made me think of, like, okay, well, we also live in this, you know, the way that she is researching her family now is going to be very different than how, like, our descendants research our history because so much of our history is online now. And, like, this just made me really think about, like, the our rights to privacy and like how much really should be accessible for the general public to just like right think about and write about us you know just normal people um made me think about like how you know libraries and um towns and cities do a really good job of like keeping newspaper records and, and trying to preserve those but nowadays everything's like online and you can just Google someone's name and like find something bad that they did like 15 years ago. I don't know. So it just made me think about like the good and bad of looking at this stuff. And like, it's, I agree that it's necessary that we be realistic about like our histories and don't try to ignore them, ignore them. But, um, like, I guess the question too, of like who's privy to whose history is an interesting question. Um, and also, like, genetic history, too. I have a friend who refuses, will never, ever, ever submit their DNA to any DNA testing ever <laughs> because he yeah. is terrified 
of like what it means to be giving your DNA to a company and um, what they can do with that. To be honest, like I wish I hadn't. When it like yeah. I think I, I got it as like a gift a couple years ago. It was like twenty three and me. Yeah. And I and I I I wish I hadn't done it. Well, there's I mean, I do think that there's issues of consent there. Like they talk about the Golden State Killer and how um like the crime was solved by using DNA profiles um that people didn't realize they were consenting to have like their DNA profiles like tested against this yeah dna base and so it all like the way of the question of like okay what are like private companies doing with our information and then also what is the government going to do with that information is kind of freaky like i i really liked this i this look like that she does um bringing up the very like concerning interest in creating facial compositions based off of DNA profiles to try to like yeah. identify killers. And I think that that's, you know, it seems like a really good thing, but like that's so dangerous in the sense that like so much bad like profiling could happen from that. And um yeah, I just thought this this book is has been really interesting. I haven't finished it yet. Um I'm really interested to see if she if it just continues to be like I know you've finished it, but it, it, I'm interested to see kind of where she goes with the rest of it. But. Yeah, well, I won't. I won't spoil it. I think. I mean, I don't think that I, there are like this spoilers is, in this book, though. Like, it's just kind of. No, know. there's not. I just mean like I'll let you. I won't tell you. Okay. <laughs> if that happens or not, but like I, I do. It was a. I was trying to figure out how I would say if I liked this, right, or yeah. not, and I, I did. I will say it was I had to put a little bit more effort into reading it than I have some of our other books on the pod. Yeah, and not that it's like a difficult book. There is a little bit of like, OK, wait, what side of the family is this? Like, yeah, the whole. Um, so there's some effort required there. And also, like we have talked about, there is some repetitiveness to it. I think it's now that I've talked more about it with you and thought more about it, I don't think it's a bad thing or I think it, it's part of the nature of what she's doing is there is this kind of circular and repetitiveness to this kind of research and this kind of investigation. I mean, that's even what your own self-reflection is, is a lot of like circular thinking and repetitiveness because you're just constantly trying to like work through your own traumas, your own stuff. And, and some stuff keeps coming up over and over. I mean, I can't tell you how many times in therapy I've been like, I'm talking about this again. Like, can we just stop right. talking about this specific thing? Like I'm tired of talking about it, but it's, it is, it is like, there's just some things that are, you're just always going to constantly keep coming up against and keep investigating. And so the more I've talked about it and think about it, I don't think that really detracts from the book in a way that maybe I thought it did at first glance where I was like, yeah. Oh, I get it. Like, I understand this science is not, we don't know. And it doesn't really mean what we like. I, when I was reading it, I felt a bit like, you don't have to tell me more than once. Like I get it. But I think that that's, it's not in telling the reader that it's in, that's what her investigation yeah. was. Like she's truly just taking you along on her investigation in all of the like repetitiveness or, common themes maybe is a better way to say it there's just so many common threads to this that all interconnect yeah both in actual facts and in themes 
Yeah. And in what it brings up. And so the more I like talk about it and think about it, I, I enjoy it more in that way. Those things that maybe kind of like irked at me before don't necessarily anymore, if that makes sense. Yeah. When I put a little bit more yeah. reflection on it. No, I, I agree. I, I would say like, I think I've learned a lot reading it. I liked the, um, like this, this kind of idea about like the ethics surrounding like ancestry and genealogy, like genealogy mm-hmm. is really interesting to me. I thought it was really educational, um, but I this isn't like the kind of memoir that I usually would gravitate to. Like I think I'd rather yes. have a memoir that's a little bit more like linear. Um, not necessarily. Well, I don't know if linear is even the right word, but like a little bit less disjointed from chapter chapter or something, or or like I don't know. There's just the the mix between like the going back and forth between like talking about all of the science versus talking about her life, um, or the people's like people's her family's life. Um, I think I'd rather just have one or the other. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. I think like it, I wanted, sometimes I wanted more of the family stuff and sometimes I wanted more of the research, like mm-hmm. almost if they were as two, two different investigations, mm-hmm. but again, it's like they both influence the other. And I did, we can talk about it more in the next episode. Cause she does kind of discuss more of like the different cultural, um, commonalities when it comes to like how we talk about venerate research like our ancestors Mm -hmm. and our family history and and I found that really interesting more so than kind of the research of you know 23andMe and genetics because I also look at it like we don't know we don't know shit (laughs) like we're talking about something that we don't even like to me it's like theorizing is interesting to a point but like I don't know. I'm not a window shopper and I'm not too much of a theorizer. Mm-hmm. Like I like to just what information do we have and then go from there to a certain point. But I I do think it's definitely like nothing I've read before and it was definitely yeah. really interesting. I don't know if I loved her. Sometimes I found her a little annoying. Like yeah. her her voice. Yeah. Um I found her just to be a little grating. Yes, um, I think that as much as she, this is going to sound kind of harsh. I think as much <laughs> as she tries to distance herself a little bit from her father, I think she's her father's daughter. And I don't mean that in like a racist kind of way. Like she's, I don't think she's like racist. I don't think that's the situation that's happening. But like, I, I think, think she just isn't very charismatic. Yeah, it will. I agree. And then also I think that like, there's, I don't know, some of, like, the stories that she told and, like, the descriptions that she gave both of herself and her family, it was just interesting. I don't know. I, like, I find it very interesting, first off, that she's a lawyer. Like, so that's yeah. that's something that she doesn't really get into. But, like, in a lot of ways, she, well, she hasn't gotten into it yet. I think it's interesting to look at the ways that she actually kind of did follow, like, her father's footsteps a little bit and, like, what he wanted from her. But then also kind of, like, I don't know. I have yet to see her acknowledge that, I guess. And I'm interested to see if she ever does. 
Um, well, and I, I kind of wanted, which I was surprised it wasn't because she's obviously being very open and that's kind of the point is she's, she's really trying to put it all out there, but I wanted more of her current interpersonal relationships. Like I feel like some of this investigation was about, you know, how, who you are is influenced by who your family is and was and, and how, if at all is it connected like you know nature versus nurture to be very like broad about it yeah and I wanted more of her current interpersonal relationships whether that was with her husband her stepdaughter her friends her current relationships with her family now outside of you know she talks briefly about it with her mom her dad and like her grandparents but what about I mean there's little things here or there but I wanted more of that because I kind of wanted to see to kind of kind of make your own um, conclusions about how is she when it how how is she now as it relates to her past and her family past not because there's any real conclusion you can draw because I think that's kind of the point is you can't say you know definitively she is this way and she is this way because of xyz but I think that there was almost some information missing Mm -hmm. to have more of that like theorizing like I feel like she Um, didn't disclose certain things which is weird um about herself like it kind of it I don't want to I mean I know we are like pushing on an hour here but like it kind of felt like she almost was was so much more interested in like analyzing her family and her ancestors that I wish I'd gotten more of that self-analysis there too Yes. And like, yes. Because I feel like that's kind of missing so far, at least. I, I know I haven't finished it, but it, it does feel like that aspect is missing of like, okay, well, then mm-hmm. how does this like come down to you? Because. Yeah. I don't know. Like, where's kind of like the, the self um, accountability to, you know? And. Um, yeah, it it feels kind of almost unfinished, and and I think it would it wouldn't bother me so much. I don't think if I hadn't read just so many other memoirs that I feel like were so brutally honest, um, and open with the reader about them, you know, and how they feel and what like where they're at, and so maybe that's why it, it bugs me more. But I, it does feel like she's withholding maybe a little bit. But yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, let's get into that more in our next pod because we'll be discussing parts five through eight. So if you haven't, go pick up a copy of Ancestor Trouble. I mean, even if you kind of just skim through it, pick and choose, I think there's a lot to be gleaned uh, gleaned from it. And I certainly have gotten more out of it as we've been discussing it, which is another great part about books. And that's why we do this podcast because it's great to read, but also discussing it with other people I think is really where you kind of solidify ideas in your mind or change those ideas or just think more about it. So either way, I I think this was a great pick. I'm looking forward to continuing our discussion on it. So go pick up a copy, Ancestor Trouble, A Reckoning and a Reconciliation by Maud Newton. And our next book uh, is Narcopolis by Jeet Thail. So I'm really excited about this one. Uh, So also go pick up a copy from your local bookstore or bookshop.org so you can get going on that. Um, so that will be in two weeks. Yep. Sounds good. All right. Well, thanks everybody. Hope you have a good, good rest of your day, Sadie. Yeah, you too. Bye. All right. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye.